It's me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie Tuporno Radio. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and podcast where we highlight idealists and idealism. It's uh, Veterans Day as well. Um, and something that I will talk about in my uh, C block. Uh, this big, this week's big interview is with I, an idealist, Bob Repke, um, the former mayor of Chaska, Minnesota population, current population, 28,000. And now someone committed to building um, healthy and welcoming communities. And, and that word community, pay attention to that when I talk to Bob. I mean, he's quite the idealist. But here in the A Block, let us begin with this week's featured idealist, <clears throat> the late uh, Matthew Perry, the actor who died um, uh, last week or the week before. Now, I know that immediately some of you reacted uh, when I said Matthew Perry, you reacted with, huh? I mean, how could a sitcom actor be an idealist? Well, give me a few minutes and I'll explain exactly how uh, Matthew Perry was indeed idealistic. But first, let me give you some background. As uh, many of you know, uh, Matthew Perry became famous playing the character Chandler Bing on the smash hit comedy friend shows show titled Friends. And it just so happens that Friends, that show, was one of my oldest daughter's favorite TV programs. So back when I still presented as a man and was still closeted and still married, <clears throat> um, I would often sit and watch Friends with my daughter. Um, actually, her, she had a number of TV shows, and that was part of our bonding experience. And, what, and thus, when I heard about Matthew Perry's passing – um, I immediately, I mean, as soon as I heard about it, I immediately texted my daughter and told her that I was sorry for her loss. Thus, um, Matthew Perry dying was uh, somewhat personal to me. Now, Matthew Perry was born in August 1969 in Williamston, Massachusetts, to an American father and a Canadian mother. His parents divorced when he was one years old. And his mother then returned to Canada, uh, taking Matthew with her. Um, and as Matthew grew up in Canada, he lived a fairly privileged life. Uh, Matthew's mother worked, uh, I think, in the press corps for um, the prime minister of Canada, Pierre Trudeau. Um, and this had Matthew uh, Perry um, going to pretty elite uh, prep schools in Canada. However, at age 14... Matthew began drinking alcohol and acting out in a variety of ways. Uh, part of that acting out included beating up his classmate, Justin Trudeau, son of the then prime minister and, and Justin himself, a future Canadian prime minister. And at age 15, Matthew was sent, because of his acting up, he was sent to Los Angeles to go live with his father, John Bennett Perry, who was an actor and a model. Subsequently, Matthew enrolled in a college prep school where he began to study acting and comedy. In his mid-teens, Matthew Perry had uh, uh, started landing uh, his first acting roles. And by the age of 19, he had his first film credit. And not long after that, so this was a pretty meteoric um, rise uh, trajectory. Not long after that, at age just at the young age of age 24, Matthew Perry landed the role of Chand Chandler Bing, on Friends. He would be a part of that show for its entire run from 1994 to 2040. Do you remember the last Friends show? Do you remember that? 
And by the end of the show's run, Matthew Perry and the other Friends cast members were millionaires. They were each earning a million dollars per episode. And I remember when they they held out, they stopped working. And, and, I, and, and I think Jennifer Aniston was like the one negotiating for them. I mean, they stopped working until the production company agreed to pay them each a million dollars per episode of Friends. Um, and, and, you know, and Friends continues to run, still on TV. And uh, each of those Friends char- characters, uh, the six actors, they're each pulling down each pulling down $20 million a year in residuals. So in other words, Matthew Perry became a multimillionaire. He also became someone addicted to to painkillers and alcohol. Um, His opioid addiction um, occurred after he had a jet ski accident and was prescribed painkillers um, for that. Now, I will tell you parenthetically here, um, several years ago, I was tasked with uh, leading some uh, focus groups with people who were in treatment to talk about how did they become addicted to opioids and how did they get off opioids? You know, how were they able to successfully go into recovery? And one of the things I consistently heard was how they had become hooked on opioids because they had been prescribed, you know, painkillers after like having the wisdom teeth pulled or they'd had some kind of an accident that, you know, that resulted in, in serious pain for them and that they inadvertently, you know, became addicted because of the high that the opioids offered. Now, Matthew Perry struggled with opioid addiction for a long time. In fact, he talks about where there were three years of filming Friends that he he – has no memory of because of his addiction. He also had an alcohol addiction as well. He went into recovery multiple, multiple, multiple times um, until I think that it did stick. And he, he devoted – and so this is where the idealism comes in because he began to devote what time he had left on this earth to helping other people with, who had addictions. Um, a year ago – his book, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, came out. Um, and that book, his memoir, um, became an instant, an instant bestseller. And the book is his story about how, you know, some of the challenges he had growing up because of his divorced parents who lived in two different countries and, uh, and because of his addictions – and, you know, there have been a lot of commentaries about Matthew Perry um, since his death. But the one that I think is most telling was something that showed up uh, earlier this week on November 6th out of the New York Times. It was written by Heather Heverleski, um, and it's titled Matthew Perry Told the Truth About Everything. And I'm going to read a little bit of this piece for you because I think – it helps to encapsulate the idealism that you know Matthew Perry had and exhibited, but also the humanity. So here we go. Quote, we shouldn't paint a life like Mr. Perry's as fatally flawed or doomed from the start. 
We shouldn't mourn only the loss of a talent and portray the off-screen life as a series of tragic missteps made by someone who almost literally had it all yet still couldn't find his way to happiness. We shouldn't perpetuate the myth that fame and fortune can buy someone out of despair and that our failures and mistakes are our fault alone, some freakish combination of bad wiring and bad choices. Instead, let's grapple with how much we might have had in common with him. Our own mistakes, our own loneliness, our own series of failures, even our own inevitable deaths. No one dies triumphantly, after all. Most people don't have as many real friends as they'd like. And people who get everything they ever wanted sometimes want a little more in spite of their best intentions. That's how it feels to be human. A beautiful legacy of Mr. Perry's life is that, in spite of the enormous weight of his shame, he told the truth about everything. He refused to treat his most embarrassing and horrific and lowest moments as a secret. He truly believed that his honesty about his neediness and his pain and his big failures might help someone else. And what's the cure for all of our shame? Mercifully, Mr. Perry seemed to figure it out eventually, to forgive yourself. And when you find forgiveness inside your own heart, suddenly it's everywhere else as well. His honesty in the face of his enormous pain should remind us all, should remind us that all human lives are formed from a tangible tangle of mistakes. We will all mess up today, tomorrow, and, but, and tomorrow, but forgiveness shapes us into something less punitive and more sublime. A person who offers love instead of demanding it, a person who seeks peace instead of vengeance, a person who has the courage to say what Mr. Perry finally says to himself at the very end of the book. Quote, I look out at the water and I say very quietly, Maybe I'm not so bad after all. Matthew Perry, through his humanity, through his mistakes, through the clarity that he gained, through getting through his shame, was an idealist. He is someone who worked to make the world better, despite all of the challenges of being human. So, there you go. Our Idealist of the Week, Matthew Perry. When we come back, I will speak with Bob Repke. You'll enjoy that interview, and then we'll go on to my C-block. Thanks so very much for listening to me, Ellie Krug on AM 950. Kelly 2.0 Radio. So, um, yes, go check out Matthew Perry's book. Go check out about him being human and an idealist in effect with what he did with writing that book and talking about sobriety and trying to help people. Okay. 
And for the big interview, uh, I am thrilled to have somebody who also likes to help people, someone who is a no doubt, at least in my view, a, 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 a huge perfectionist, not perfectionist, huge idealist. I have Bob uh, Repke on the line. Bob, how are you? I'm good, Allie. I'm uh, uh, really pretty good today. So, Well, I'm thrilled to have you. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, we've had some technical issues, so we can't get you on the computer, but that's all right. We've got you by phone. It'll all work. Audience, uh, just so you know who Bob Repke is, if you, if you are from Carver County, you know who Bob Repke is, okay? But if you're not, here's a little bit of the 211. He worked for um, 3M in human uh human resources for more than three decades. Um, but more importantly, uh, he was the Chaska mayor, the mayor of Chaska, Minnesota, f- for 19 years, from 1984 to 2002. And currently, uh, if I have this right, Bob, you're, you're volunteering in a number of different settings, including uh, being the, uh, uh, the president of the uh, uh, Community Foundation for Carver County. And I, I don't know if you're still on the Metro Agency, uh, Metro Agency on Aging Board, but you've done that, at least I know. And I know that you volunteer in a variety of ways because you you and I, our paths have crossed with our vo- mutual volunteering. Right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, once you've had the opportunity to serve as mayor of, of your community, I mean, there's a lot of uh, connections that get made and relationships that get built. And, you know, that just leads to... Uh, other opportunities to serve and help build a community. And, you know, that's been really my passion. And uh, so that, yeah, there's a, a lot of opportunities to do that out there, Ellie, as you know. So Tell us a little bit about you, Bob. Did you grow up in Carver County? Did you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I'm a native Chaskin. I grew up in Chaskin. We've uh, lived here our whole life uh, uh, married uh, Kathy and uh, she's from Waconia um, I went to Gustavus after graduating from Chaska and, and uh, a couple of weeks after graduating uh, from Gustavus I uh, started work at 3M and uh, there was a time uh, maybe a year after we were married that we thought well maybe I can cut the drive down and uh a bit because it's a 40 mile drive and there's no easy way to get from Chaska to Maplewood and uh, yeah, where 3M was located, 3M Center and uh, uh, bought a home in uh, South Minneapolis thought well maybe cut the drive in half but you know we stayed there about a year and we were always back out here with family and friends and uh, at one point we just said hey let's just move home and and stay there and we'll put up with the drive and uh, we'll grin and bear it when there's a foot of snow coming and that'll just be what we have to accept and uh, it's always been home and I always felt blessed to be able to um, you know work at a company like 3M that really valued people and the, the human side of things and and work then and have the opportunity to build a community with your hometown. And uh, uh, it was like each complemented each other, you know. Right, so, right. Yeah. Well, so, so um, audience, I, uh, you know, Bob and I are relatively new friends with each other. 
Um, but, uh, but, but, but audience, uh, you don't know what you're missing um, when you haven't heard Bob Repke give a speech. Um, because, Bob, I was present, uh, you know, earlier th- uh, this year when uh, the educators came back in my school district and you gave a talk um, to the educators about community. And you mm-hmm. talked um, – uh, f- well, first of all, you had had a heart attack at a school function um, in my school district uh, last in the spring um, and uh, community members stepped in to – help uh, keep you uh, alive uh, until um, the emergency people got there. And you told that story about that, and then you, you talked about the power of, of community. So, and, you, and, and Bob, I'll tell you, I, I'm, I've been told <clears throat> that I'm a pretty good speaker, okay? Mm-hmm. And I've been told that I can hold a room. Bob, I'm just here to tell you, I can't hold a candle to you. Okay. And so I, I wanted to have you on this show, first of all, to compliment you and to thank you for your service and for you being such a, an incredible human. But I also wanted to get from you, okay, some wisdom. Because we're all in need of wisdom these days. And so my first question to you, my friend, my new friend, is... Tell us, how has it changed? How has Chaska changed? How has Carver County changed? How has America changed? And, and do you have hope for it? Well, um, how much time do we have, Ellie? <laughs> We've got uh, 16 <laughs> minutes and 47 seconds. <laughs> Well, well, thanks for those kind words, and you know I really appreciate it. And um, you're too kind. And but I, you know, I talked to the the educators by 30 years ago when I was actively involved as mayor um, with Chaska, and and I always remember it to be a highlight because they I've, I've always looked at educators education as builders of community mm-hmm. um, because we have two children and our children are handicapped. Um, our son is, Ryan is severely handicapped. And uh, I saw the, the what community really meant as, as we, as we had Ryan and, and saw how Ryan was, dealt with and both in terms of the positive side of it and the negative side of as people looked at him and saw who he was you know for you know either valued him for being Ryan and and um, being the kind and gentle and happy and pretty pure view of life that Ryan Ryan brings or seeing that more from the glass half empty the the negative you know looking at it as a negative side the burden side the, you know the just the not necessarily valuing Ryan for who he is and 
And uh, that was a crystallizing kind of moment or time. And you just experienced that and dealt with that. And, and you know, coupled with, that's why it was a blessing to work at 3M that valued people where you felt, you know, they were proud to have you as an employee and you were proud to be an employee. And you couple that with experience of growing up in a small town that uh, when I was a kid that, that uh, you know, neighbors, you know, spent time together. They sat on swings on the front porch and people walked around the grid blocks and they visited and they talked and they interacted and they smiled. And in times of when the town flooded, they... They responded to each other. I mean, they they couldn't do enough for each other. They, they, you know, they cared about each other. And I always remembered that when, when we were able to have the honor of serving, you know, the city you grew up in, and you know, and we knew we were going to grow and develop and and. Um, you know, how do you hold on to those values of community, those that, you know, when we tried to understand what attracted people to live in uh, any town, and two things stood out, and one was the quality of education that they'd have available for their children. The other was that they wanted to live in community. They wanted to... They wanted to know their neighbors. They wanted to care about their neighbors, support their neighbors. And uh, they wanted to have that kind of uh, experience in the town they called home. And so they said, even though you grow, you you don't have to give up those values, that everybody has value, that everybody has a place, you know, is you know is is important to the to being part of the community we in the mid eighties we spent to, to that end to support that thinking we adopted eight core community values, one being valuing the human worth and dignity of every person uh, the other another one was respect for others and being responsible is another one. And I mean, a lot of it is driven by the idea of being a community and valuing every person. It also was in place because we knew we were going to change. We knew we were going to grow. We knew we were going to become more diverse. And if we're going to become more diverse, you know, what's your belief system that that's going to serve as the foundation for your decision-making and for the development of your community that that recognizes and honors the fact that we're going to look different and sound different and and and, and uh, in a lot of ways be different than the small town that we've known for back then a hundred and some years and and so um, but it was just a real intentional time where you've got to think about it and work at it and think about it and work at it some more and it's an ongoing challenge but uh, you know it became the mantra it became you know we wanted to be the best small town in Minnesota coupled with 
you know, built on that foundation, that belief system of those values of community. And uh, we exchanged messages about, you know, the difference between community and suburban. I, <laughs> it's hard for me even to talk about suburbs. I, I just, it connotes for me, uh, community can, you know, identifies for me, uh, you know, the relationship, the humanity of, of building a place that we're all part of. And, uh, and so that's been, Something uh, that has evolved for a, through a lot of different covers a lot of ground there, Ellie. But through a lot of different experiences and factors that have influenced, uh, you know, why that's been not just important for me, but how that's changed from a town. You know, I, we've tried to maintain that sense of community throughout all the years. I think as we look at Carver County. To your question, it's 11 small towns that I think bring, uh, uh, you know, that small town feel, but, you know, that can change in a heartbeat if you're not thinking about how do you preserve that. Uh, you know, and I'm uh, I'm off the charts, I guess, when you talk about community and what that means and how important that is, but... It's always under challenge. It's always under pressure that it could change. And, and I think we've got things going on across our country that, you know, has polarized us and divided us and, and anything that brings us together. And that's why education and educators are so important because of the work they do with our future, um, our children and the future, you know, community members and the, the building of community that teachers do every educators do every day and that's why it's so important so well i don't know that's a lot of ground Ellie, no, but no, you know it's it's, it, it's it's perfect ground bob i mean part of this is captured in a piece that a commentary piece that you had in the uh, southwest uh, news journal um on in january of 2023 the piece was titled shift from community to suburb and i get how saying that word suburb is hard, and I, there's a bit of irony here uh, in in the sense that you know you talked a little bit ago about uh, the you know the 40 mile drive from Chaska to uh, Maple Grove where 3M is um, on two lane roadways, and then you know you, I'm I'm sure you and others helped lobby for Highway 212 to be made into a four lane roadway, um, which certainly cuts down that commute, but what it's done is it certainly has made Carver County more of a suburban county uh, than what it was. Am I right about that? Yeah, it's more accessible. Yeah. You know, you're more at, uh, you know, so growth. Uh, you know, it's fastest growing uh, county in, in the state of Minnesota. Yep. Um, and uh, so you have to, I think that puts a premium on thinking about this whole discussion we're having, yeah. Ellie. Yeah, about I mean, what do you want to yeah. be? What do you yeah. want to create? And how do you do that? Well, and I think as 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 two, like Highway Two Twelve for us gets expanded, the smaller towns as we go further west in Carver County are going to experience you know really yeah. really significant growth. Yeah, and I think the question is: Are you are they ready? Do they have a plan? 
do they value that sense of community, yep. that sense of togetherness, a small town that they've had for years? Uh, and if they do, how are they going to preserve that? And uh, I think that one of the things we uh, we didn't do everything right. I don't want to suggest that, but I thought that at least we had a plan, and a, you know, a vision and values and, and yep. plans and goals that tried to support that history of, of that sense of community we've had in place, and that could sustain itself through a lot of growth, development, and change. And I think if you don't do something, if you don't have those things in place, you're at risk of changing the identity of your community to where it can be a bedroom community or a a more suburban community, where you know it's you know it's it, I, I I I don't see the you know at least from my perspective. It's the same kind of feel. There's a story yeah. I go back and, and tell about Money Magazine came out and talked about, you know, looked at Chaska and they were assessing the best small towns in America. And they were at the top ten. And they sent out somebody uh, to, to, there were a number of categories, jobs and the quality of education and uh, a lot of economic factors that were you know, being assessed, and you know, taxes, and, and that old string of uh, of uh, categories that they were evaluating the community on and comparing it to other communities, and and we were in that top ten evaluation, and and at the end of talking about all those categories, the person that was out from Money Magazine said, well. The last, the one thing we're going to go out now, take a look at is, is your sense of community. And, uh, I think somebody offered up and said, well, we'll take you around and show you why that exists. And they said, no, no. I don't need you to take us out and around your community, show me that. I'll go around and I'll know if it exists. I can go out there, I can walk your main streets, I can go out in different parts of your community, I can go out to your parks and areas, I'll know, I'll find it, <laughs> I'll experience it, if it's real, if it's tangible, some people say, oh, it's subjective, I can't get my arms around it, and I say, baloney, it's real, You you will be able to sense it and feel it, that spirit of community. And uh, that's what she said, and um, she went out and did that, and um, and I think found it uh, oh. based on talking and interactions, and and um, so I, I do think it's a, a real thing. Where did and where and did Chaska want to live? Where did Chaska end up in the top ten? Oh, I think we were seventh or eighth, you know. Okay, well. <laughs> but, you know, we made it in the top ten, and you were talking about the country, and, uh, and uh, yeah, so. Well. We were uh, glad to be there. Uh, you know, we we think we're strong in that uh, area, and but, you know, it's always under duress. I think it's always, you know, you need to. 
you need to plan and be reinforcing it, I think, always. Uh, you know, it needs to be in your your own top ten, top five um, things that you have, you know, when you set your goals and your priorities. And it always needs to be part of those high priorities that you you want to accomplish. Well, I don't think you can move that to the background. Well, Bob, I look, I mean, I... I I think that the discussion about community versus suburb is I, – I look forward to having more discussions about that with you as we do our volunteering together. Mm-hmm. But I've only, got, mm-hmm. I've only got two minutes left. And so – but I ask mm-hmm. all of my guests if they believe that they're an idealist and I define idealist as somebody working to try and make the world better. I certainly see you as one. And if you believe you're an idealist, what made you that way? How did you get that way? Well, that's an interesting um, question. You know, I think the I think the opportunity to provide a leadership role, to be in a leadership role in in the community, brought with it uh, a level of responsibility that you can have an impact on on people's lives. <laughs> that you can create an environment and a culture that. Hopefully every, everyone can prosper, that everybody has hope, that everybody has, uh, has potential and, and possibility. And I think that, uh, that means you think about, uh, you know, every situation, every person and, you know, that's where homelessness and hunger and those categories, those things that, um, maybe back when I was serving, um, wasn't, uh, you know, at the top of the list because we hadn't experienced some of that yet, but as you grow and evolve and develop and, uh, more and more of that happens. And I think when you're in those positions, you have an opportunity to set the priorities and, <laughs> and building community was, something that we recognize that gave everybody a hope and hmm. possibility to be part of the community. And and I think that was a, a, just a key factor. And coupled with our own personal situation, you know, I think it all coupled together. And with 3M, it was a little bit of the perfect storm for for me and, and uh, for all that coming together. So... Well, so Bob, I, unfortunately we've got to go, but I just want to, I want to just tell you how much I admire you and, and your compassion. I mean, you spread it from the moment you start to speak. And I admire that about you greatly. And I just want to thank you for what you've done, um, for Chaska and for Carver County generally and for humans in general. And I just want to say that I really look forward to working with you more um, as, as uh, we both volunteer um, for the sake of the community. Well, I really appreciate that. I really, you know, I appreciate, again, the, the kind words. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem like work. It's never seemed like uh, you know, a job. Um, and I appreciate that. I look forward to more conversation and more interaction in terms of working together to build a a better place for everyone. So 
That's for sure. Well, thank you, Bob. Thanks for being on LE 2.0 Radio, and um, I really appreciate it. Take care, okay? You bet. Oh, have a great day. Okay. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks. All right, listeners, that was Bob Repke, uh, former mayor of Chaska, Minnesota. Um, also, just in my book, Great Human. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. When we come back, we will do the C Block, where I'm going to talk a little bit about Veterans Day and uh, my experience up in uh, St. Francis, Minnesota. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. We'll be back in a second. LE 2.0 Radio, uh, Bob Repke, uh, you know, just, I mean, I really, you know, I, I just admire him and, and he's inspiring all kinds of people and the legacy that he's leaving. I just, what a idealist. All right. A couple of things here, maybe three things. One is um, I went to St. Francis, as you heard me talk about uh uh, last week or the week before, or whatever it was, but I went on Sunday night. Um, went to St. Francis, fifty-three miles north of Victoria, through the woods, you know, um, deep into the woods. And um, on a Sunday night at six o'clock, we had forty people show up for Gray Area Thinking, and we had some. You know, St. Francis is not a liberal area. Okay, so it is actually where I need to be doing my work. Um, the church, uh, St. Francis United Methodist Church, is a liberal church, but not in an area of other liberal churches. And we had some people from conservative churches there. I think, hands down, everybody thought that gray area thinking was worthwhile, worth their time, and that they got something out of it. So, I mean, me, Ellie Krug, the idealist, I was feeling good as I was driving back from St. Francis eating my McDonald's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Trust me, there's not a McDonald's in St. Francis, but I, I found one along the way. So, all right. Then, um, secondly, um, uh, you know, today is, is Veterans Day. Yesterday at uh, Chaska Middle School West in my school district, for which I am the school board member, um, they had a veterans ceremony where they honored the veterans. It was a, gosh, it was an hour and a half event. And, um, you know, they, 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 did the, they did the vets good. They did. There was an honor guard there from the VFW, you know, and there were a number of, of speeches, the, the children's choir, the children's band, played songs and all that kind of stuff. And I was touched and I could tell that our vets in the audience, um, many of whom were older, were touched. I saw people dabbing, you know, grown men dabbing their eyes. And um, it touched my heart, and I'm so incredibly grateful for them. Third thing, I gave a talk this week, Gray Area Thinking Again, um, to a law firm. It's actually a conservative law firm in Minneapolis, but they brought me in to, to train their folks as well as to train other lawyers from the community and all that. And um, – and, you, and part of gray area thinking, we have this exercise where I have people stand by sign. I give people prompts and they can go stand by signs of various identities. So, you know, one of the prompt is, you know, the identity that garners gives me the most privilege. Okay. And, um, 
And uh, one of my signs, one of the identities is veteran. And we had a gentleman, um, a lawyer, who stood under veteran. And so um, – and I go around the horn with people, get everybody to identify what sign they're standing at. And when I got to him, I asked, are you a vet? You know, and he said yes. And I said, well, thank you so very much. And uh, and he said something and I don't remember what it was. Um, but it caused me to, to answer back, to reply that, you know, I've done, I've, I've done some training for uh, service members. Uh, not for a, a not since the pandemic, but pre-pandemic, I'd done a number of trainings for service members, and um, and that I always, when I train service members, I always thank them at the beginning of the training. Um, I thank them, of course, for their service, but I also thank them for protecting me, because as a transgender woman who has a man's voice. There are a number of countries that I cannot go to. I mean, there are actually a lot of countries I can't go visit. But here in America, because of our armed forces, because of our constitution and all that stuff, I have, I'm safer because of our military here. Now, as I said that though, at the back of my head, I've just got to tell you, I was thinking about what's being reported about what Donald Trump is planning to do if he is reelected, like invoke the Insurgency Act at the moment that he is sworn in because of all this horrible stuff going – supposedly horrible stuff going on in our country. And it made me think and then maybe the military won't be there to protect me. Maybe the military will be there looking for me. I'm serious. I thought all of that in that second as I was replying to that lawyer. I, of course, didn't say that. But it made me wonder how different a year and a couple of months from now America very well could be. I mean, are we going to see soldiers at checkpoints where we will have to show our ID. I don't know. Just something to think about. All right, I got to go. A big thanks to my producer, Patrick, who has yet again had to do math <laughs> with our time, our split breaks, because of the way I go over things uh, over on time. But, that, Patrick, thank you so very much. Listeners, listen. Between now and when you hear my voice next, will you do me a favor? Will you go out and try and make the world a better place? Will you just do something to make it better? Okay? You can do this. It's not rocket science. Okay. Until next time, Ellie Krug, over and out. Thanks. Thanks.